Good morning on this Sunday morning. Welcome to our devotional, Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. As we draw near to the Passion of Christ and celebrate His resurrection, uh, what the world would call Easter, what we would call His Passion, we are reminded during this time that Jesus paid for our sins, was buried, and rose again. But the chain of events that took place is absolutely so awesome and demonstrates a process of the work of God in the life of a believer. And as we look at that, let's look at ourselves and see see ourselves as we are being changed by the Word of God as we look into His mirror, into the perfect law of liberty, according to James chapter 1, as we are yielding and submissive to the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we are being transformed from glory to glory uh, into the image of Christ, according to the book of Second Corinthians in chapter 3 and verse 18, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And when we look into the perfect law of liberty, then we are made free. We're made free from what? We're made free from sin. We're made free from this world. We're made free from the flesh as far as its lust and its desires. We're made free from the things that would have normally controlled our lives. And the resurrection of Jesus demonstrates fully that not only did he die on that cross to pay for our sins and shed his blood for us, and to redeem us, to bring forgiveness and remission and reconciliation into our lives, but also to bring a new life. That is the process of the seed. The outward shell, when it is buried, decays, and it ceases to be as it dissolves naturally into the ground, becomes part of the soil, But the new plant that has arrived, uh, that has been produced, that grows, that flows from the deadness of that seed is the process which we ourselves go through. Having been crucified with Christ, reckoning ourselves dead and crucified with him so that we can say with Paul, I am crucified with Christ. And the life that I now live, uh, uh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. In other words, I live a certain life in the flesh because I'm still in this physical body. But that life, I no longer live it out of me, my selfishness, my desires, my way and my will. But I let that life flow out of me through the Spirit of God, according to the Word of God, so that the will of God is fulfilled in my walk. See, it's an inward life wanting to flow out and manifest itself. And that's why Paul was able to say in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, verse 10, that the life of Christ might be made manifest in my flesh. It's my body, but it's his life. 
It's always been like that for the believer. Somehow or another, we still think that we possess our bodies and it is our own. It is not our own. From the moment that we have come and belong to Christ, our bodies have been purchased with a price, the price of his blood, the price of redemption, not with silver, not with gold, and they do not belong unto us. So as we look in the book of John in chapter 20, verse 11 and uh, 12, we look at the events surrounding the burial of Jesus. He was buried in a garden, which is interesting because it was in a garden where the first uh, Adam was put. He was put into the garden as a living soul. God had formed him. And made him out of the dust of the ground, breathed the breaths of life into him. And I say the breaths of life because the zuki is life, the soul. The physical body has biological life. The spirit of God is life. So all of these breaths were breathed into him, just like when Jesus breathed into his disciples and he told them, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now, when we look at that, we assume that he was standing like 20 feet away and just said it. But in reality, the, the context of that is that he literally breathed into the mouth of each and every one of them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. When a person expires, when a person passes away, they give up the ghost. They give up their last breath. Well, in the same way, when God is ministering to, uh, to people, like let's take the example in the book of Elijah, that little young man that was, or that young man that was dead and was put on the, on the bed of uh, Elijah, that's with an S, uh, E-L-I-S-H-A, uh, uh, he laid upon him mouth to mouth, hand to hand, what we would call CPR today, but basically he was breathing into that individual the life of the, the breath of life, and he was resurrected. Well, God breathed into Adam that clay uh, uh, man, that, that thing that was made out of uh, uh, reddish earth, and it became a living soul. It became alive. Well, in the same way, Jesus is planted into the garden, but his physical body does not see corruption. In other words, it doesn't start to be eaten by worms. It doesn't start to decay uh, through the bacteria process that breaks it down. But it remained intact because God was going to transform that body and resurrect it into a new glorified body. So it says, but Mary stood outside at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she, stoop, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And when she looked in there, she sees two angels in white sitting, one at one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain, where the body had been put. Now it's interesting that when we look at the mercy seat, we see that there's one angel or a cherub at one end with the wings covering its face. And there's another one at the other end with the wings covering its face. And in between is the body of Jesus. Or, or, or in between uh, is where the, 
the, the golden seat where the blood for the atonement was sprinkled. So we see angels present there at the garden, both inside and outside the tomb. Uh, with uh, Adam, we see the cherubims that were put outside the, the east side of the garden when he was uh, banished from it, that he could no longer enter in. Now, cherubs are interesting creatures. The Bible says that Lucifer was the anointed cherub. But yet when we see cherubs <clears throat> in the book of Ezekiel uh, and we see them in the scripture, uh, they have four faces. They have the face of a cherub or the face of a man, depending on, on, on what chapters we're reading. The face of an eagle, the face of a lion, and the face of an ox. And, of course, that's uh, interesting in itself as a study. But we see that there, these angels are there. And uh, uh, the, the, the scripture says the body had lain there. But as we continue to read further and, and ec extract from what the scripture says, it says in verse number 13, And they said unto her, Why weepest thou? She said unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have lain him. Now, <clears throat> to go there and look into the tomb and assuming that you're going to find a dead body, the body of Jesus, is to look for the Ones that were alive at one time, but now they no longer are. <clears throat> and we're seeking the living among the dead. And Jesus was no longer dead. He had paid the price, the supreme price, for three days and three nights in the valley of the earth, fulfilling what it was said concerning Jonah, uh, uh, that he would spend three days and three three nights in the belly of the of the well, so Jesus would spend three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. So she asked, "Where have you put him?" And when she had said that, she turned herself back, and she saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. We have to ask ourselves, why could not she recognize the Lord? Uh, after all, she had ministered to him. She had been with him all that time. And why is it that she couldn't recognize him? Why is it that she was looking at him and could not, not know it was him? Just like the two individuals that were on the road to Emmaus, they talked and talked and talked and talked with Jesus the entire section of the road. And not once did either of them were they able to recognize him. It was not until they personally invited him to come with them to their house and invite him to partake of the meal that they were going to be partaking of, that the bread is blessed, the food is blessed by Jesus, and they recognize at that point that it is him. But yet we have to remember, when Jesus was crucified, they had parted his clothes so he didn't have on the clothes that he had on before he went to the cross. And then they had wrapped him up mummy style uh, in the tomb uh, and put him there. 
his napkin that was over his face is going to wind up being there to one side and uh, the cocoon is still going to be intact, but with nobody in it. That 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 is going to be something that Peter sees and he just kind of wonders about it. Well, if you ever stop and think about the metamorphosis of a uh, a little worm, uh, uh, it, it, the caterpillar uh, hangs itself upside down and it begins to uh, build this little uh, uh, thing around itself made out of a, some type of a, of a web. We call it a little cocoon. Well, Jesus was in that little cocoon also. And the, the process of metamorphosis is being transformed from a uh, worm into a butterfly. And as it's inside that little thing for the number of days that it's in there, it little wiggles and jiggles and moves around. And finally, one day, it begins to break forth right through that little cocoon. And the butterfly, uh, beautiful butterfly, begins to uh, arise out of there. Well, consider it almost the same process, but he was raised up by the glory of God, uh, which is by the Spirit of God himself. According to the book of Romans in chapter 1, verse 4, and according to what is said in the scripture uh, in the book of Acts, that God would not let him stay there. He would not see corruption, but he would raise him up from the dead. That was the process. In the book of Romans in chapter 8, verse 11, and in verse 13, the scripture talks about him being raised up from the dead. How? If the same Spirit that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Well, if it says he was raised up by the glory of God, and then in Romans it says he was raised up by the Spirit of God, then we can assume that the glory of God here uh, being identified is the Spirit of holiness, is the Spirit or the Holy Spirit. And when he was raised up from the dead, it was by the Spirit of the living God. Well, if the Spirit of God is the one that dwells in us, he who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also raise up your mortal physical bodies. Our bodies will also be raised up one day. Well, as we continue to come to a conclusion here on uh, John chapter 20, uh, it says, And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom do you seek? She supposing him to be the gardener. Now, this is fascinating because Jesus really is the gardener of our souls. He is the one that tills the soul. Jesus said, I will, be, in the book of Matthew 16, 17, I will build my church. No man can build his church. Men build buildings. Men build edifices. But the only way you can truly build the called out ones, the ecclesia, the assembly, the Christian, the born again believer, is he must be built up by Christ himself. He is the gardener that to every little plant that has been planted by the Lord. And every plant that has not been planted by him is plucked up, according to the New Testament. So she supposing that he is the gardener said unto him, Sir, if you have borne him from, from here, tell me where you have laid him, that I may take him away. And once again, she's still seeking the living among the dead. 
Consider this question for yourself. Are we still seeking Christ on the cross or Christ resurrected from the cross? There's a big difference. Consider this food for thought and for the imagination. Join us tomorrow. We'll continue along these lines. But until then, the Lord richly bless you. Keep looking up. Our redemption and Redeemer draw nigh. Amen.